0: Hi, I'm Carol Pope, and you're listening to The Stewie Tunes Show with Tony Stewart and Aaron
1: Badgley. A long time ago, in a musical age that seems so far away, musicians considered it a badge of honour if they didn't sell out and lend their names to advertisements. However, a lot has changed, and associating your name with different brands is now a common practice. Today, we're going to look at some of the more interesting stories of artists who sold out. Sometimes the results were brilliant, and other times, not so much. It was Billy Joel who famously sang, Rock and Roller Cola Wars, I Can't Take It Anymore. Let's get to it.
0: Welcome, Welcome to, to the Stewie, Stewie Tunes Show. Show. These are insights and commentary on the music and musicians that shape our lives. And now, let's go back to class with your hosts, Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley.
1: Good evening, Mr. Badgley. How is life in Toronto today?
0: Uh, good evening, Mr. Stewart. Life in Toronto is uh, busy, busy as always. A lot of cra- uh, traffic, but not bad, not bad. How about uh, in your neck of the woods?
1: You know what? It's pretty good. We had a little uh, snowfall today, but uh, just looks pretty. Nothing, nothing to worry about, and uh, no need to call the military in or anything like that. I, you know what? This is the third episode in a row that we've had uh, taking shots at Listen, Toronto for and, that. So. And,
0: and it's fair, fair game. I, I, fair game. I want to congratulate you on something because we were oh, talking before. I want to congratulate you on your thirtieth episode of Stewie Tunes. Congratulations! That's amazing. The Stewie well, Tunes show, thirtieth, thirty shows.
1: Yeah, thanks very much. And you know what? You're a huge part of that. And it is our show. And, uh, you know, I really feel like since you've joined on this season, the show has blossomed and taken off. So uh, it's been amazing. I'm really looking forward to uh, what season four has got to bring, to be honest.
0: What happened to season three? We just started recording.
1: (laughs) I know. And this is our last episode of season three. It's crazy.
0: Crazy, man. Crazy, crazy. But it's been a blast. I'm so, so happy. That you invited me to be part of this, so thank you very much, and congratulations to you.
1: Well, thanks very much, and thanks so much for coming on. And uh, you know what? Uh, I guess the uh, we are the audience already knows, but uh, we've got a Christmas bonus coming up. So uh, you know, you'll get one more episode before Christmas, and then uh, we'll take a little break, and we'll be back in January. And uh, got some huge news for January, but we're not giving it away quite yet. But uh today's topic is kind of interesting. The the episode's called the sellouts. And I just want to make something clear before we start is that we're talking about musicians who did not need the money but decided to sell out anyway. We're not talking about those musicians who, you know, who are maybe at the start of their careers or um you know, musicians today who've got no choice, but we're talking about those big acts who had a ton of money and just decided they needed a little more. So uh, we'll be getting into some of those stories today. Uh, And we were talking before the show, uh, you know, we didn't think that Elvis had ever done a commercial, but you said uh, you found one for him, a donut commercial or something.
0: (laughs) Well, I did, but you know, to be fair to Elvis, this was back in uh, 1954. And he was performing on a show called the uh the hayride. And for those of you who know old TV shows and old radio shows, quite often, like Kraft used to sponsor Bing Crosby, and Bing Crosby would stop singing and say, Well, you know, if you have guests coming over, we've got some Kraft cheese. So um Alvis this was more what Alvis did. It was for a donut company called Southern Made Donuts. It's his only commercial that we can find. And um you know, truthfully, it's 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 more of an anomaly, and it's, um, I can't find the original lyrics, but there were some fun lyrics about, they're ready any time of day. And you know, Elvis did like donuts, so let's not forget that.
1: <laughs> well, that's right, and uh, I don't think that's selling out I don't, me, I don't either, I you don't know, either. Because that was the beginning of his career, and, um, but we're going to uh, take, a trip in the time machine to the 1960s. And you had some examples, some really good ones when we were brainstorming this about uh, artists who decided that they were going to, you know, go for a little bit more money. So let's, uh, let's go to the sixties.
0: Well, you know, the sixties, there's a, there, it wasn't a, there wasn't a whole lot, but Coca-Cola wanted to be, you know, hit the teen market. So what they quite smartly did was they got a lot of bands who were kind of up and coming, and some who'd kind of hit that curve and went on the other way down. But a lot of up and coming bands to do jingles for their TV and radio commercials. So, for example, Golden Earring did one in the 60s, but um, Tom Jones.
1: Now, that's not unusual, Tom. <laughs> oh, oh,
0: oh, oh.
1: I'm sorry about oh, that. Oh. <laughs>
0: that's good, though. That was good. That was very good. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was great I I'm, I tip my hat to you, sir <laughs> um, I don't even know, I, I'm done No uh, <laughs> uh, Leslie Gore, The Drifters Ray Charles even sang a jingle um, And then The Box Tops You remember Box Tops? My baby Mailed me a letter um, And Mary Hopkin, who had later signed Well, she was signed to Apple Records And she was uh, on her way up Moody Blues But I don't know that this is necessarily selling out and I'll tell you why. This was this was a chance for bands who were trying to break it in the US to get exposure. Now, one band in the 60s that did a, a commercial for television that you might be surprised at was The Rolling Stones. Uh they did they did commercials uh back in the 60s for um rice krispies. Now wow. they, they did rice krispies in 64, so they were already making a name for themselves if you Google the commercial, there is a nice harmonica solo by Mick Jagger. Um,
1: (laughs) Now 64 though, they would have just, just been signed, right? At that point. Yeah. They were like, there were 63, early 64, they were signed. So, yeah.
0: So there you go. So it wasn't unusual. Oh, geez. It's not unusual. You got this in my head now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I got to be singing the song now all night. So thanks a lot. That's right. Yeah.
1: I'll get you back. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, the, the start of the bands, uh, you know, doing the, the we talked about the, the Cola Wars, right? And that really did start in the 60s. And you were talking about a, a CD that you have. Uh- I
0: Yeah, well, I have a CD of all of those bands I just mentioned. I have a CD with all of those songs on it for their commercials. And it's a great CD. And I, when I used to have a radio show, it was fun to uh, throw those little, because they're 60 or 30 seconds long, right? Johnny mm-hmm. Cash did one. I would just toss them in, in between songs. <laughs> you know people didn't know what to make of it right i was like ah oh, but uh do you remember the hit single that came from coca-cola commercials by a group called the new seekers
1: mm, no what I'd, song i'd love to teach the world to sing. oh okay well i knew that song came yeah. from coke but i didn't know who did it
0: the new seekers that was their their big hit um so you know coca-cola was kind of cool uh, just kidding <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the new coke that was terrible Anyways.
1: Yes, what a mistake. And 99 years in, and they decide instead of going <laughs> to their centenary, they let's do New Coke. What a, what a sham. Oh, that was.
0: what were you thinking about? What were you thinking about? So, yeah, that's, 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 that's the 60s. But, you know, it wasn't until the 80s that rock bands um, started getting sponsored. So during the mm-hmm. 70s, if you you know, you went to concerts in the 70s, so did I, and they were always sponsored by either the record label, the band, or a promoter. But in 81, the Rolling Stones, once again, changed all of that. You remember their commercial for, um, I think it was MacBook or Mac for Start Me Up? Yes. Well, in 81, they were sponsored by a cologne company for their 1981 Steel Wheels Tour, or as the Rolling Stone magazine called it at the time, when $250 million in the bank just isn't enough Tour." <laughs> Love that <laughs> name. <laughs> So they did this tour and I'm trying to find the name of the company. It was a cologne company. And I, you know, when I know about colognes, you can literally fit in a thimble. Um, I just got them for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's what, that was the start of it. It was the 81 Rolling Stones and the, you know, I don't know if you remember this or not, but that was the start of the big ticket prices too.
1: Yes. And, and whenever I think of bands selling out, I think back to the eighties, you know, like, um mm-hmm. uh, there were a couple of big ones for me that really stood out I mean in 1984, obviously when Michael Jackson did um, the Pepsi commercial and he changed the words of one of his songs right to to me that that crossed the line into selling out and and I and I get it you know it's probably huge huge money and sponsorship of the tour and stuff but but it seemed like that was a line that was crossed forever at that point and then you know five years later madonna did pepsi as well and uh, her her fans were not happy when she was pumping uh living on a prayer i watched that commercial today again and uh, it it made me a little uncomfortable actually
0: well you know and, yeah and it should and and elton john when he changed the words from sad song say so much to sassoon does so and he's they're singing the song i mean he changed the words to fit
1: Sassoon, right? Yeah. So to me, those are, those are the instances where, you know, musicians who certainly did not need the money, uh, that would be a sellout. And when we get to our final segment tonight, uh, certain Canadian musician had a few choice words for, for people like that. And you're going to love this folks. But, uh, yeah, I think of, you know, Whitney, Whitney Houston at the top of her fame doing the Diet Coke commercials. Oh, or- yeah.
0: Yeah, that was, that was good. But, you know, going back to what you said, the, the, the Madonna and the, and the uh,
1: Michael Jackson.
0: No, it's crossed the line.
1: But you know what, what stuck with me and I watched it again today and I shared it with you was, was the footage of uh, oh Michael Jackson's accident when his hair caught on fire. And um, that is horrifying. That was horrifying to watch. Yeah, it's, it,
0: it's, it's, it's shocking, actually. It's shocking. It's shocking.
1: Yeah and that was the the sixth take uh, that they were doing and uh you know the first five takes went well there was an audience of 3000 there watching him film this thing and on the sixth take the explosives went off early and uh and the product in his hair caught fire and he suffered uh, pretty serious burns second and third degree burns and he was never the same after that either
0: no no, I think that uh, scarred him in more went more ways than one, you know? Um, but again, you know, it was, a, it was a bizarre... And then after that tragedy, Pepsi still went ahead and aired the commercial. Even though we all knew he almost died from a fire, mm-hmm. they still... Well, you know, guys, we got some footage. Let's not break the deal. Wow.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, when you think of crass commercialism, that's the period that really comes to my mind is, is him... Uh, you know, doing the Pepsi and um, Madonna doing the Pepsi commercial. And, you know, even uh, Billy Joel, you know, he had the line in his song, Rock and Roller Cola Wars, uh, I Can't Take It Anymore. Nowadays, he sings, I Can't Fight It Anymore because he's lent his music to commercials as well, right? So it is a, it has become a thing. And uh, I really felt like the line was crossed though in, in the 80s where it went from, you know, no longer being about exposure and just purely about money. Right. So, well, I
0: I think the epitome of that, I mean, all we've, everything you've mentioned was Lou Reed doing a Honda commercial for Honda scooters. Here's Lou Reed, Mr. Walk on the wild side, velvet underground,
1: Yeah.
0: you know, and there he is driving, not only, okay, wait a minute, he's driving a scooter, Tony.
1: Yeah. Which like Lou Reed would not be caught dead driving the scooter. Right.
0: <laughs> well, he shouldn't be.
1: And there he was. Um, anyways, uh, that was horrible. So you're right. You know, the other one uh, was Iggy pop, right. Doing uh, his music uh, lust for life, which folks look up lust for life. If if the song doesn't come to your, uh, you know, into your head right away, because you'll have heard that song everywhere in commercials. I mean, I've heard that in at least three or four different places. Um, the the royal caribbean commercial um <laughs> advertising and, family
0: crews too by the way
1: yes and uh well a sportscaster named jim rome uses that in his intro uses that that music in his intro he's a big sportscaster in the states so i mean that has been everywhere and and uh you were saying that's a song about drug addiction it's about and, heroin,
0: and- heroin addiction yeah
1: and nobody nobody seems to care about the words, and it's just got a nice hook, I guess. And and that's where, Great. but you'll you'll recognize it.
0: Great drumbeat. Can you imagine being on a cruise? Have you ever been on a cruise? No. Well, I, I've been on a couple, and I can't imagine. <laughs> See if I say so this laughing. I somehow can't imagine Iggy Pop on a cruise standing in line for the complimentary breakfast in the morning, you know, the all you can eat breakfast without but a shirt.
1: I, yeah, well, that's right. Because I don't think Iggy Pop even owns a shirt. So no, I don't doesn't. think he'd be able, he wouldn't be allowed in the dining room anyway, right? So
0: <laughs> oh, Bless his heart. But yeah, I, sometimes people don't listen to the lyrics of songs. And you're thinking, why are you using that song to advertise a family cruise? It's, it's, it's about a guy who's selling himself to buy heroin. I mean, anyways
1: yeah and and you'll hear and and once you listen to the song folks uh you'll you start hearing it everywhere i mean it's been licensed everywhere but you know aaron this looks like a, a great uh, time to take our music history moment uh break so shall we do it we shall okay we'll be right back folks on december 12th 1957 while still being married to his first wife Jerry Lee Lewis secretly married his cousin, 13-year-old Myra Gale Brown. The marriage was hidden from the press but was revealed when Lewis was interviewed at Heathrow Airport in London, England as he was arriving for a 30-day tour. A reporter asked who the young girl at his side was and she revealed that she was his wife. The story caused a scandal in England and the tour got cancelled after only three shows. The scandal followed him back home to America and effectively destroyed his rock and roll career. In a matter of weeks, he went from making $10,000 per night to barely being able to find gigs that paid $250. And now, let's get back to the show. And we're back. And you know, Aaron, that is one of those um, iconic moments, uh, not for good reasons, but uh, it's one of those iconic moments in rock and roll history.
0: You know what it is, is a clear lesson to everybody on how to destroy your career in one fell swoop. I mean, marrying a cousin, her age. And then he was actually surprised when he went to England and got booed. Seriously? Yeah. Like, what were you thinking, dude? Uh, um.
1: Well, and it didn't help, right, that her famous line, you know, that, uh, well, you could be 10 and get married if you could find a husband. I mean, that was was unbelievable. (laughs) But, you know, when I taught uh, that grade 9 class about Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, I mean, they couldn't get over it either. And, and a lot of the girls were saying, cause they were watching the footage of press conference where Jerry Lee is standing with Myra and, and it, they said it was super creepy. You know, he's got his arm draped around her and they had a hard time watching it. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we were talking about is, you know, they think that all of these musicians that they listen to are so badass, but, uh, I mean, they're lightweights compared to a guy like Jerry Lee Lewis, really, you know?
0: And who would have thought of the Classic Four, Jerry Lee, Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, Roy Orbison, I guess five, from Sun Records, he would outlive them all. I mean, yeah. who, who who saw that coming? I don't know. I didn't. But
1: Yeah, and you know, he was supposed to go back into the studio this year, uh, Jerry Lee was, and I guess it got postponed because of the pandemic, so he was going to do a gospel album.
0: Well, uh, I bought his last two albums. Oh, did you? I did because Ringo stars on them. Um, full disclosure: I wouldn't have bought them otherwise, but Ringo's on them. They're not bad. I was never a big Jerry Lee fan. I think that whole marriage thing kind of got in the way for me. But uh, yeah,
1: me too. I had a hard time with that as well. Yeah, big time. you know, interesting figure to study historically, though. But uh, because you know, it's just one train wreck after another. Like one one decision, <laughs> and you're like, wow, <laughs> you know,
0: it's <laughs> like Domino's. Oh look.
1: exactly so uh this uh at the beginning you know when i was saying we were talking about artists who did not need the money but the reality is today um musicians today have to uh get as many you know get their their fingers in as many pies as possible and uh to make a living and uh, certainly a lot of factors have contributed to that. And, and so bands today have to, they almost have no choice but to sign up for endorsement deals and sponsorships. And uh, especially in the advent of streaming where album sales are no longer a thing and and they, you know, musicians need to find revenue streams.
0: Well, and, and they also need exposure. And we were talking earlier on about Feist, right? I mean, (laughs) A lot of bands, I've, I talked to a band once and they said, look, we hope our commercial, our song gets picked up by a commercial because then we get airplay because you, know, you don't necessarily get... When we were young, we would hear everything on the radio. But radio yep. has become so streamed and so closed. You know, you don't have that diverse sounding radio station. You know, when I was a kid, you'd hear Elvis, Partridge Family, and Pink Floyd in the same half hour. Not anymore. So nope. a lot of bands can't get exposure. So they go, well... We'll get into a commercial. And have you seen those commercials where they actually put the band's name and the song name?
1: Uh, like, give me an example of one. Because uh, I don't it? I don't have TV, so I don't see a lot of commercials. That's
0: right. You're, you're the smart one. Um, <laughs> there's a commercial for, I think it's Hyundai. And, and, there's a, and I can't remember who the artist is, but it says on the corner of the screen, like the old MTV days.
1: Oh, so they do it like a video. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you can't blame them. I mean, uh look at look at what happened to Feist's career after one, two, three, four got picked up by Apple. I mean, that was massive. I think that made her career.
0: Oh, and she's probably still living off the residuals. I mean, that was huge, right? I mean and another band, Jet from Australia. They because of the the uh, Apple commercial too, they same thing, you know, where they 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 were they weren't gonna make it otherwise, but they got that commercial, so
1: yeah, and um, it's just a case, you know, streaming has really, and I know, you know, the irony is uh, you're listening to this podcast through a streaming service, um, you know, I, th- but podcasting uh, is a little different than the music business, you know, and um, album sales just, just don't exist anymore. And uh, musicians, uh, we should do a- an episode about streaming because I think people would be alarmed if they found out how little uh, musicians make from a stream on Spotify or or wherever like it's so small
0: oh it's 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 insulting you yeah know,
1: it it's less than a tenth of a cent significantly less than a tenth of a cent per play
0: when i worked in radio we would pay more to artists for playing a song on the radio than they get paid streaming on spotify
1: yeah and probably for a thousand or Two thousand streams or more
0: yeah turntable hits right so um it's it's do not get me started on the evils of streaming because people i know i know it would be controversial but you say album sales are down i'm going to argue that albums no longer exist for an age group you know like do you remember the days of putting the album on side one side two and and now it's pick your song pick a song you not not the whole album
1: yeah albums are done and um I actually had a class. Uh, we did an assignment uh, where they had to listen to an entire album, no interruptions, no multitasking. And uh, you should have heard the complaining before the assignment. But uh, <laughs> but afterwards, afterwards, the kids were like, "Mr. Stewart, that was one of the coolest things I've ever done." And, and you're right. They just the idea of sitting down and listening to an album. Music has become a commodity, right? That's that's the problem. It's, it's become like. Yeah, it's wallpaper, you know, and you can pick and choose like the big buffet of of tunes on. And, you know, I, we're piling on Spotify and I'm fully aware that, you know, there's a good chunk of our listenership listening on Spotify right now. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, the podcast industry is totally different than uh, uh, podcasts have always been closely associated with streaming. And you go into a podcast knowing that, right? And knowing that, For 98% of, or 99% of podcasters, you're not going to make a huge amount of money, right? But uh, for musicians who are relying on that for their living, uh, it has been, the last 10, 15 years have been devastating.
0: And I just read, I just read an article online about a group called Right Said Fred, who had a big hit with, you know, I'm Too Sexy. Yes. And they haven't had, they gig a lot. They make their money by, they don't make money by um, sales. They make money by playing gigs. And they haven't played a gig since March. And uh, they've had no income because the amount of money they made from Spotify from people listening to I'm Too Sexy because it still gets played, you know, is nothing. Yeah. Nothing.
1: Yeah. Have you ever seen when uh, artists will will post their (laughs) uh, checks from Apple and and it'll be, you know, millions of plays and this pittance that that you can't live off, you know? I remember it was like – Seven or eight million plays, and the check was for less than two thousand dollars. Right, like it, it was, it was uh, unbelievable. I mean, the writing was on the wall for the recording industry, I think uh, they were making all kinds of poor decisions. And, and I think it, you know, it started with Napster and all that stuff, but um, it has, it has changed the landscape permanently, I'm afraid.
0: Yeah, you're right. Now, there's a lot of indie bands who are still making the record. My daughter buys records all the time. Um, a lot of Irish fans, but you know what? You're right. It's changed. And the writing was on the wall with Napster and CDs, actually, because CDs were digital. And people, yes. you know, you're going to go from, it's not hard to go from CD to streaming. You can see the connection, right? So, um, point of fact, you know, we were talking about how you can just pick songs and you had your class listen to a whole album. Yep. So one of the one of the main things about CDs was that people could skip songs. You remember, you know, you could put a CD in and program it. Yep. So Prince put an album out called Love Sexy, uh, with the big hit on that was uh, Alphabet Street. And uh, he programmed the CD so you couldn't do that. It was one big song. So when you put oh, it, you, wow. t- you put it in your CD player, it was like one track, 49 minutes long, and you couldn't skip songs, you had to just let it play which i thought was brilliant
1: so that is brilliant i'm so i'm surprised more people didn't do that
0: i know i love prince
1: <laughs> yeah, oh me too i'm a huge fan huge oh, fan of fun. that guy
0: yeah me too me too that's
1: uh, so uh, there you go. but yeah it's uh it's very different and i read something you know and i know we're kind of wandering off the sellouts uh, but mm. but kind of not really because we're talking about you know you have to these days you've got to get your your fingers in as many pies as possible to get to get a revenue stream going and and um i read that was it last quarter or a couple of quarters ago vinyls uh vinyl records actually outsold cds
0: they did they did yeah Yeah. you, you know what the the number one selling vinyl for the last 20 years is
1: is it, is it a Beatles one? Or it is, is it... it is. Okay. I was going to say, was, is it the, you know, like the, the wall or something or dark no, side no. of the moon, but. That no. was number
0: two. Dark side was number two. Okay. Number one was the Abbey Road. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you're right. And, and you're a musician, so you would know this. I mean, you know, when you tour, it's not cheap these days, you know, the hotels, the equipment, you're, you're, you're traveling, you know. I can't imagine what it's going to be like if and when the airlines start flying Because it's not going to be cheap. You know, you're, you're taking a crew with you, right? It's a yeah. lot of money. So.
1: Well, and that's the thing about these days, if you're going to make it uh full time in this gig, you've got to be playing every day of the week, seven days a week. Yep. Um, and you know, the music festivals, thankfully uh, are one of the few gigs that, that pay quite well. But uh, in terms of the, like the jazz scene, uh, you know, Rick and I are still making the same kind of money that we would have made 15 years ago. It really hasn't gone that's up.
0: Not, that's not fair. That's not right. It's not right. Nope.
1: But, you know, that's uh, that's the reality uh, for a lot of musicians. So instead of making more, you've got to be playing more, right? And yeah. uh, and uh, it's so no wonder uh, that artists are signing up for commercials or endorsements or singing at conferences or, or you name it.
0: Well, I know, it's, 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 it's ridiculous, you know. But I, I don't fault the younger bands. Who I do fault, however, where I get kind of shirty is when you have a band like Roger Waters touring, sponsoring. My, you know, a friend of mine bought tickets for his Toronto show. He's yet to be refunded because the show is postponed. I did air quotes, postponed. 500 bucks a ticket. He didn't buy them from a scalper. That was the price of the tickets, Tony. $500 oh. a ticket. So yeah. I
1: wouldn't be going to that show.
0: <laughs> I didn't buy tickets. No. Let's see. Me and my wife go to the show, or pay our mortgage. I think we'll pay our mortgage.
1: <laughs> well, that's right, and it, and it has become almost out of reach. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, you know what? We don't want to sound like a couple of uh, grumpy old men here. So uh, why don't we?
0: Oh, oh I, and we're open for sponsorship, folks.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but yeah. uh, let's take our let's take our birthday break, and then we're going to. Uh, come back with a segment after that all about the untouchables. Those artists who just will not uh, lend out their music to anything. And I'm sure, you know, our listeners can guess a few of them, but let's take the uh, birthday break and we'll be right back. On December 12th, 1915, old blue eyes himself, Frank Sinatra, the American singer, actor, and producer was born. Sinatra was one of the most influential artists of the 20th century and was one of the first singers to encounter the fan hysteria that later greeted people like Elvis and the Beatles. His single, My Way, holds the record in the UK for staying on the charts for an unprecedented 136 weeks. Known for his incredible phrasing and spot-on tuning, Frank Sinatra died in May 1998 after a heart attack. Now, back to the show.
0: I got a quick story about Frank Sinatra, old blue eyes. Um, When the Beatles... You know, made it big and they started their Apple record company. The very first Apple record was by Frank Sinatra. And and let me tell you what happened is Frank's, or Ringo Starr's wife at the time, Maureen, was a big fan. And she liked the song The Lady is a Tramp. So he called Frank and said, Do you mind recording a special version of The Lady is a Tramp? But changed the words from tramp to champ hmm. and put some words about Ringo in. And Sinatra did. Very oh, cool wow. guy. Very cool guy. One copy was pressed up on Apple Records, Apple One, and it's wow. so rare. I mean, Ringo gave it to his wife for, I don't know, it was their an anniversary or a birthday gift, but it was a song recorded for her by Frank Sinatra. So oh, that's even, incredible. Yeah, cool.
1: You know what? Uh, my first memory that I think of when I'm thinking of Frank Sinatra is when he invited Elvis to appear on his variety show, and mm-hmm. Elvis talked about it later, and Frank was one of those few people who took Elvis really seriously as a singer because Elvis was a fantastic singer. And, and, uh, and Frank acknowledged that and showed him a a huge amount of respect. And uh, Elvis said that really stuck with him, you know, because he was nervous uh, because this was Sinatra that he was appearing with and uh, Sinatra treated him with the utmost respect on that appearance. And, and I think Sinatra recognized how good of a singer Elvis was, you know?
0: Yeah, I think so too. And that's, and, and, and that's a I ha- I love Sinatra and I have a lot of his albums and I even have his, he did a concept album, you know, in 1969. Oh, did he? Yeah. It's called Watertown. It's really good. It's actually really good. Uh, if I, I have it on vinyl, so I can't, you know, but it's a great album. So there you go.
1: Yeah. I never get tired of Frank either. I love no, that anyway. guy. No, I mean, there, there's the definition of cool, eh? Oh,
0: please. <laughs>
1: So we are going to talk about the untouchables. I mean, there are certain artists who will just not cross that line. You know, we had mentioned a few names, uh, guys like uh, Springsteen, R.E.M. Uh, any others that come to your mind? Uh, John Cougar Mellencamp.
0: John Mellencamp. Yeah. He never yep. did. Um, I don't think this should come as a surprise to anyone.
1: Midnight Oil. They yep.
0: they just refused. This one surprised me. I don't know why it surprised me because it shouldn't have. But Bruce Coburn.
1: Okay. He never, never did, eh?
0: He never, he never, he never did. He, uh, he, he never even went a song. So can, you, can you imagine having, um, if
1: I had a rocket launcher for, oh, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, he's, he's amazing live, uh, Coburn. What a guitar player. I've never player. seen
0: him live. I've never seen him live.
1: Incredible guitar player.
0: Well, like, that I, I know, could. but I've never seen him live. Yeah. I, seen I, him?
1: I've seen him once. Yeah. Amazing. Well, maybe one day if if he's
0: uh, still he's still out there. I don't think uh, Frank Sinatra ever really did either in his career. But but um, those are the those ones come to mind quite quickly. Springsteen. I mean, you you saw what happened when Trump tries to use his song, even.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, Billy Joel used to be on the list, but he has since lent his music to uh, commercials. But I think we do have to talk about you know the the. Um, the canadian that we were mentioning about because well, he's
0: number 1 to me
1: oh Please. me too without question and uh, folks we're talking about none other than uh, neil young neil young uh not only as he never uh crossed that line of letting people use his music in fact no. he was he was after trump as well for using uh his music in his rallies but uh neil young even made a song about it and uh the, the video for that. I mean, who does he not call out in that song? That's a, <laughs> amazing. So, uh, and that song, so that
0: this note's for you, by the way.
1: Yeah. So look up that song, folks. This note's for you. And it is a very pointed critique of artists who are selling out. And, uh, just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think, he takes. Big time shots at uh, Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston. Those are the ones that come to mind. Who else was he taking? Well, uh,
0: you know what? I'm just looking at the lyrics. And the very first two lines are, ain't singing for Pepsi, ain't singing for Coke. I don't sing for nobody, makes me look like a joke.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it was, he wasn't pulling any punches, you know, as subtle as a train wreck, as they say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and, and the video, as you say, I mean, he, I think he nails everybody. You know, oh. he, I, mean, he, I mean, he doesn't he parody the Michael Jackson hair thing too, though?
1: He does. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, uh, Whitney Houston catches on fire in the video too. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <Yeah. laughs> I forgot
0: about that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and isn't, isn't Spuds McKenzie in the commercial or video too?
1: Yeah, the dog. The dog, yeah. The dog plays a pretty prominent role, actually. And he's the last uh, thing you see in the video. He's chasing people down the street, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah his uh his opposition to that was uh, uh to me, you're right, he's got to be number one because I can't think of anybody who's been more outspoken against that stuff than him and and he uh he wrote cease and desist letters to Donald Trump to stop using his music at his rallies. Yeah. Was he successful or i read he, I thought I saw a headline that he just gave up he did because we
0: got because trump was. Trump plays court, right? I mean, Trump has the money to keep things alive in court for years and years and years. And as rich as Neil Young is, and he doesn't, he doesn't want to spend his time in court or paying a lawyer and, 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 uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I have a great deal of, of, you know what, I've gotten into Neil Young more in the last five years than I ever did in my life.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. So, and, uh, what, what an incredible career. You know, and the reverence for me what has always um got me about Neil young is is how much other musicians uh revere him, you know he's so much respect. I read something uh David Crosby just sold his catalogue of uh songs. did you hear that well, there's Crosby and um Bob Dylan
0: and Steve yeah. Nicks, all three yep. of
1: them, yep, and uh, Crosby said, you know like I've got to pay the mortgage, and i gotta um, so he sold the rights to his songs and, and, uh, now he says he thinks he got a good deal and, and that they're going to be in good hands, but still, um, there's you know, a, there's a,
0: there's a great, there's a, a new musician named Kevin Morby who I love. And he, he posted on Twitter that, uh, Dylan sold his catalog for 300 million. Mookie Bet still made more money. <laughs> <laughs> True story, folks. True story. For those of you who follow baseball, true story. Well, but the picture of the ending of the video—what doesn't he say at the very end of the video? This this music video brought to you by nobody or something?
1: Yes, yeah, it's a fantastic video, and uh, I mean, I was laughing out loud. Uh, I watched it again <laughs> uh, this morning, and uh, my goodness, uh, yeah, no, uh, he doesn't. Uh, he no kid gloves there for sure. No. <laughs> no. Well, Aaron, I have, uh, I've got a sneaking suspicion. I know how you're going to tie this into the Beatles, but, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but let's do our six degrees of Beatlemania. So I'm going to cue up Rick's music here and, okay. uh, all right, here we go. The unofficial final six degrees of Beatlemania for the season, what do you have?
0: Well, there was two that I wanted to talk about. So one one is very positive and one's not so positive. The first one is in 1989, when Paul McCartney went on the road for the first time in 13 years, he made a big, big, big deal of saying his tour was sponsored by Friends of the Earth, which was a nonprofit organization. They didn't sponsor him. He paid for everything. But when you went to the show, you got a free book about friends of the earth and and about environmental issues and it was wonderful it was they had banners everywhere so I thought that was really cool about McCartney taking a stand by saying I'm sponsored by friends of the earth very cool the not cool part is and I'm going to blame Michael Jackson for this and I think this is what you were thinking I was going to bring up the Nike commercial yeah yeah revolution yeah you see this gray hair in my beard (laughs) direct result from that the Beatles, don't at that time, that he couldn't control stuff. And George Harrison was livid about selling running shoes with a song like Revolution. Yeah. But Jackson signed off the rights because he owned the copyrights because of the, you know, he went behind Paul's back and, and, and bought the McCartney or the Beatle catalog at the time. He doesn't own it anymore. Well, his estate doesn't own it anymore. But um, yeah, that, um, I lost sleep. Let's just be honest. I, I lost sleep. That was terrible. Terrible. Yeah,
1: that was, uh, yeah, I I was bothered by that one as well, actually. But you know, there was one, uh, we forgot to talk about the ultimate example of sellout culture, I guess, was, do you remember the California raisins?
0: Oh, California, herder in the grapevine. Ernest, the grapevine. Yeah, yeah. They never sold out. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, here, so Buddy Miles was a singer, a guy named Buddy Miles. He's he, great. He singing,
0: did, yeah.
1: Yeah. Great singer. But the California Raisins had four studio albums on a label called Priority Records. Like four.
0: Uh, Priority That's... Records was a rap label, too. Yeah. They were famous for Run DMC and, and all those bands. Four albums.
1: Yeah, isn't that amazing? And and they had a television mockumentary. It was called Meet the Raisins. <laughs>
0: <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm googling that tonight. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know what? That's probably on YouTube. I I would bet it has
0: to be. If it, if it's not, I'm I'm putting an online uh, petition to get it on YouTube now. That's right. That's right. Meet the Raisins.
1: <laughs> but uh, you know what, Aaron? Uh, we're at the end of this show, and uh, great chat tonight as usual. Oh, and uh,
0: yeah, it's a great time.
1: And what a fun season it's been. Um,
0: it's been an amazing season.
1: And, you know, I want to give a shout out to uh, my uh, good friend and musical partner, Rick Denis, for the music for this season. Rick is uh, such a great writer, and I love uh, having his uh, music for the segments. What a difference that makes. He, and,
0: it, you know, he, it's fantastic, by the way. When I listen to the, when you put it all together, because folks, if I put it together, it would sound like Baby Huey meets Donald Duck. Um, so, when, when Tony puts it all together to hear that music, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal.
1: Oh, thanks very much. Uh, but you know, it's been a great season. And, uh, folks, I just want to thank you for listening. We always appreciate it. And uh, to those of you who've subscribed and get the latest updates about when episodes come out, uh, thanks so much for that. And please continue spreading the word. Uh, and uh, that helps independent podcasters like us grow. And uh, in the meantime, Until we see you, I guess for the Christmas bonus, but in the meantime, stay safe. Be well. And see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Stewie Tunes Show. Follow us
0: on social media or visit us online at stewietunes.com.
1: And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to click subscribe.